Hey guys, are we doing a podcast today? Uh, I think so. Yeah. All right, someone do the intro then. G'day community and welcome to episode 9 of the JRBBL podcast. My name is Azza. Yes, today I've been handed the hosting reins. Scary thought I know. But joining me as he does every week is Damo. How are we, Damo? I'm very well. You did very well there. Why, thank you. And of course, Dylan is back for another week. How are we, Dylan? Yeah, good. Thanks, Azza. Mate, you're a natural Damo. Better watch out. He's just keeping your feet warm, isn't he? Just just (laughs) today. Is there a podcast reserves league or something? I'm, I think I'm going to get. I think <laughs> I'm going to get. Uh, I think I'm going to get relegated or something. No, look, not no. Nah, just after this one, I think. But uh, guys, we are at the halfway mark of the BBL season. After last night's game, that means we are officially at the halfway mark. So, how are we feeling so far with the season that's gone? It's unpredictable, that's for sure. Yeah, and it changes, you know, in the space of a night. I've gone from, you know, feeling awesome to going, ah, oh, this is a disaster. So up and down, but that's, I guess that's, that's super coach for you. And especially when you combine it with BBL, which is pretty volatile in that sense. It's, um, it's a bit of a roller coaster. Is there any picks that we would have loved to have started the season with that we just haven't been able to the chance to bring them in yet? Um, yes. Uh, is there a list? Maybe of the players that I shouldn't have brought in that might be easier to talk about. Or now nah, the the main player for me is Tanvir Sanger. He was forty two k before round one, and is now going to be one hundred and seventy k heading into round eight. And he's probably one of the must have Thunder players for their double game week. Yeah, that's exactly right. I would have loved to have had Sanger from the start as well. Similarly with Tim David um, being an absolute breakout for the first few rounds. A cash generation is just so important to, to super coaches, and I've missed out on a couple of big players there, which has um, set me back a bit. And I also would have loved to have capitalised on some other premiums too. The likes of Daniel Sams would have loved to have had him in earlier. Um, also try to you know capitalise on McDermott's rather good form as well. Would have been good. Um, Dil, what about you? Is there any players that you would have loved to have had that you missed out on? Yeah, I think Sanger and, and David are the two that, you know, the two rookies that we all sort of missed the boat on. And, and that was large, largely, I think, um, when Sanger's case, I didn't think he'd actually start the first game. I thought that, you know, between Chris Green, um, Jono Cook as well, I thought he was a sort of a little way back in the pecking order. Um, but he's, you know, he's risen from, from being a you know, a bit of a, a no-namer to one of the, you know, the premium spinners in the comp sort of thing. So he's one. Tim David's one that we always thought would be in the 11, um, but he's, he's sort of been a beneficiary of, of some pretty pretty ordinary, or I guess um, up and down batting at the top for the Hurricanes. So they're definitely the two rookies. And then, you know, as you said, I think it's just, it's getting the, the right players in at the right time. Um, ben McDermott, you know, I, I had him for a few rounds and and he then traded him out, and he's gone and, and put up a score of you know 140 supercoach points. Um, you know these sorts of guys. I had Sands for a long time, and then and then flicked him just as, as lockout happened. So I think it's just sometimes you've got to back your gut um, rather than getting trigger happy right on lockout. 
And then with the best comes obviously the worst. What Supercoach players have had a negative impact for your side, Dill? Oh, good question. Um, there hasn't been too many disasters. One that, I guess one that stands out for me is um, is is Darcy Short. Um, that that I guess that blow has been softened a little bit because you know most teams have him, and I'll I'll hold him through this this rough patch too. But he's one that I guess hasn't lived up to the um, to the heights of last season. And then you know Will Jacks is another obvious one um, as well. We're all big on him in the preseason, but he's he just didn't. Um, his his form in the the twenty twenty vitality blast over in England just didn't didn't materialize here. So those two are probably. Um, two that I sort of got wrong, um, and even short. I'm not sure that that's that's wrong yet. I'm I'm sure. Well, I hope. Fingers crossed. He can turn that form around and and start pumping out some big scores. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you on that sentiment about um, Tim David. I sorry, not Tim David. Um, Will Jacks. I pumped him up quite hard, didn't I? Um, and he has been an absolute bust, which is a real disappointment to see. Hopefully, that uh, form can turn around, considering he is still here for the rest of the. BBL season. Damo, what about you? Uh, what is your biggest bust so far for this half of the BBL season? I'm going to be honest. I haven't really, I didn't really start anyone who has been so super disappointing that you haven't already mentioned it like Darcy Short. But before the fixture was redesigned to do with the hubs, I was quite big on Matthew Renshaw and he's probably lost the most amount of money in this in Supercoach BBL so far this season. He just hasn't been able to get going at the strikers and he's also not bowling like he was at the heat either. So he's not getting that double chance for points. Yeah, and it's a good interesting point you make now with um Renshaw so cheap. Is there a point where we start to reconsider these players as um, a potential, you know, cheapie that you want to get in on your bench, you know, scraping around for some cash that might, you know, turn a corner and have a better second half of the season? Well, I'm now considering bringing back Renshaw, to be completely honest, because I can probably loop him. But to be honest, he's just someone who's going to play every single week and will stop a zero on your field more than anything else. And at that price... As long as he can get into double figures, it saves you from a washout game or something like that as well. Yeah, that's it. I think, you know, these guys, Renshaw's the name you just mentioned, even Andre Fletcher, they're both, well, Renshaw actually opened last game, so their roles are still um, pretty solid. So I think if you can loop them, it's not it's not the worst idea in the world, but I guess the, the elephant in the room is that their form is is um is pretty poor. So I certainly wouldn't be picking them to, to start on your field at this at this point in time. And let's not forget that Matthew Ranshaw started the year with a 63 and a 38. I know they were both in double game weeks, but if he could somehow produce scores around there again, you would definitely be happy to see it. And is there any other um, cheapies that have dropped in price that we're looking at? I know if I was big um, this week and managed to sneak in Marcus Stoinis, who obviously was in some bad form and then just dropped quite a bit of cash and then pumped out a huge score um, recently, which I'm very happy to see and very happy to see him potentially bowling next week. Is there any other players that sort of stick out in your mind, um, Damon Dill? 
Um, the Renegades are a really interesting team for me. So they've lost Sean Marsh. He's um, missing a couple of games because he's having another kid. And Riley Rousseau uh, is also out with a hamstring injury. So there's a little bit of an opportunity there for someone like a Mac, uh, Mackenzie Harvey or a Jake um, Fraser McGurk. So those two are they haven't um, they haven't played a lot at all. Um, so they're they're still rookie priced. Um, and if if one of them gets a you know a gig at the top of the order or in the top sort of four or five, then I think they could be a decent option on the bench. Um, in terms of fallen um, fallen uh, premium, or I guess guys that have dropped in price, there's not too many. Joe Burns is a, is a really interesting one. His form's been just a, you know, as bad as anyone in the country of late. Um, but last night we saw him, him turn that around, which was awesome to see um, for a bloke that's really struggled. He's one that, you know, double game week, could that be a loop option? Um down the track, he's an interesting one. Um, Bo Webster's another that's dropped um, in price. Otherwise, you know, by now I think a lot of sides will have um, developed a little bit of, of cash. So hopefully they've they've got a bit to fling around, and so hopefully um, cash generation isn't as bad now, and you can start targeting those those premium players like like Daniel Sams, like Lewis Gregory, um, Marcus Stoinis, these sorts of players. Well, I guess, yeah, that's probably a good um, segue. Some players mentioned there into um, the next topic about round eight with the double game week with Brisbane Heat and the Sydney Thunder. Um, obviously, there's a bit of concern with the weather for one of the, the Heat games on Thursday. There's a lot of rain about, and it may potentially, we might see that game washed out, which will be a huge disappointment. But, guys, who are the players we really need to be targeting for this round eight? Damo, is anyone that really sticks out in your mind as a must-have? So I think you really got to target the Sydney Thunder players for their for the double game week. I think the Heat players they haven't shown enough to be confident on any of them, um, especially with the rain about and the fact that it could just be the one game that they do play. Um, I think that Daniel Sams and Alex Hales are probably the must have Thunder players, but I also really really like the the look of of Sanger and Ferguson as well as and Chris Green's been going well lately as well. And Dale, what about you? Which is the number one targets for you uh, for round eight? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting sort of week. I think as Damo said, Sam's and Hales are the must haves, but even Sam's is under a little bit of a cloud. Hopefully, he gets up. But after, aside from that, um, Lewis Gregory still interests me um, as someone I don't have at the moment, so I'll keep a close eye on him. But other than that, I think it's um, a little bit of a lot of You've got guys like Mark Steckerty, um, Tenby Sanger, Chris Green, Callum Ferguson, Adam Milne, these sorts of players that, you know, really, it, it's hard to split them. There's no sort of clear cut, you must have him sort of thing, aside from your Sams and your Hales. So um, I think it could be a, a week where we sort of see a real jump in rankings, whether it's up or down. So hopefully um, if you are trying to climb, it's a week where you can climb up. Yeah, and I and I totally agree with um, both the comments there. Daniel Sams is the number one target for me this week. I brought in Alex Howells and Callum Ferguson in this week, so I don't have to worry about them. But we'll also be looking to secure uh, Tanvir Sanger um, due to his amazing form and also may consider the likes of Lewis Gregory or Mark Steckerty. But yeah, that weather's just going to play a bit of a factor, um, so I'll leave that decision up to the last minute. Now, guys, also with the double game week, we've also seen a number of players that have scored, or outscored, I should say, some double game week players in um, 
round three, we saw Ben McDermott and Dan Christian top score. And even um, in round six, we saw Glenn Maxwell put out 150 to top score for that. Is there any other premium players that we should look outside of Sydney Thunder and Brisbane Heat? Rashid Khan's playing um, the Renegades in uh, this week and next week. Um, and the way the Renegades have been going, he could get like a double hat trick. Yeah. <laughs> it would be phenomenal to see, and I would, would love to see that. I'm probably considering trading him after this week, especially given the news that um, Rashid Khan, Majib Al-Rahman, and the third player that is eluding me, Muhammad Nabi. Thank you, Muhammad Nabi, um, are all leaving to head over to play for Afghanistan. Um, so I'll probably look to trade him, but uh, if if he still um, sticks around for a little bit longer, he would be a fantastic pick to have, uh, but just not for me. Uh, otherwise, I think outside of that, I probably might even consider... Um, even maybe a sneaky pick like Jason Roy, who I know, um, Damo, you're a fan of. Yeah, he's actually, he's only played three games so far because of his late start, but he's the eighth highest average in Supercoach BBL and the Storches do have a double game week in round 10. So I think he could be the batting target. Um, obviously, people will also look to get Mitch Marsh and Josh Inglis in as well because they're probably the top three there that people will look for for their double game week com- coming up in a, about a fortnight's time. Yeah, I'll throw another name into the hat there. Joe Richardson is one I'm looking at pretty heavily. Um, he's averaging 56 at the moment, um, priced at just under 180k. He's one that I think is, I think he's virtually a lock. Um, for the Scorchers double game week, and if I, you know, had to pick anyone from that lineup, I think he's one that I'd, I'd really strongly look at um, over, you know, just about anyone else. Maybe Mitch Marsh slightly ahead, but you know, in terms of security in getting those four overs, and and we've seen Richardson even, you know, have a swing late, late in the innings, and and um, put on a little bit of a cameo. So he's one that I think, come you know, a, a couple of rounds time when they've got the double, I think he's one that you definitely have to have. Yeah, and I know we're probably um, getting a little ahead of ourselves talking about um, the next double game week at round 10, but there are some other cheapies um, around the mark as well that we would be considering. Um, Colin Munro is another really interesting one, obviously only priced at 96000 depending on um, how that works out for this round, probably take him over that. But is he one also we should um, be considering given his cheap price? He's already in my side, to be honest. I traded him in this week. I think this week probably was the week to get him, especially given the Scorchers' run of games at Optus Stadium, which is uh, more of a batting deck than a bowling deck. I can see him pumping out some pretty decent scores, especially at that price. Yeah, I think Munro's a pretty price-dependent one. He's... They've sort of got him batting at number four, uh, but as Damo said, I think this week was the week to get him. His break-even's only five now, so if, if he fails this round, I think you can definitely still look at him, but if he puts out another you know, big score of 50, 60 plus, he's probably starting to... Um, I th- I just think there's better options if you get if he does sort of rise in price, so if you are looking at him, definitely get him you know, the week coming or the one after that before he, before he shoots back up again and 
in which case, you know, I wouldn't be too big on, you know, paying 150k for a bloke that, that bats for and, and hasn't bowled all tournament. Now, jumping back to, to round eight, another player that um, has sort of been a little overlooked and might even get a sneaky um, chance in into my side. I know, obviously, the Heat only have the one game, but Chris Lynn, um, 135,000 this week, um, put out a 55 in this round. Is he one that we should be considering for the double game week if, you know, the, the, the Brisbane get up? Um, and that game gets up? I actually liked him batting further down the order. I know it's only because he was brought in as an X factor, and so he had to slot in further down the order. But I don't see him as a batsman that needs to be at the top. I actually think he does his best batting when he's at about the four or five batting sort of num- b- b- batting number in the lineup. And it just shows that he can come in and create some more power through that through through the middle overs. So he might be someone I consider, but obviously uh, the weather's going to be something that I have to keep a close eye on. But would you consider him even for the one game, given his price and given what he can do? I don't like considering pure batsmen if they're not playing the, the both games of a double game week. I think yeah, the Lynn pick's really interesting. I sort of disagree with Damon to an extent there. I think he does. He's, he opened the other night against, well, last night this was when they played the Sydney Thunder and was brought in as the X Factor. I actually think that suited him more than batting at, at four or five, purely because he, most of the time he then gets the pace bowlers early on. It can be hard for a guy like Lynn who struggles against spin to come in in the middle of an innings where, you know, depending on well, the heat we've seen, they've struggled at the top at times. But, you know, if he's coming in at, at number four and they're, say, two or three wickets down, if he's facing the you know the best spinners in the competition, he can sometimes struggle to get going, and that's why I think we see him. He get, you know sort of goes up and down. I'd like to see him stay at the top and open with Max Bryan. Um, you know Sam has hasn't really kicked on in that role, and, and and last night the Heat seemed to work better with Bryant and Lynn at the top, and then Denley and Burns sort of in that um, three and four position. So I think Lynn is better suited at the top of the order. But, you know, certainly I'd agree with Dame. I wouldn't consider him for a single game week. But the double is going to be really interesting because, you know, he can sort of go, you know, totally ballistic and hit, and hit you know, 60 off 20 balls sort of thing. Or I can get out for not much and, and really come back to, to burn you. I, a lot of people will pick him purely because they don't want to take him on. I'm tempted to take him on. Um, I think there's guys like, you know, your Lewis Gregory's, your Daniel Sams, your Alex Hales, these players that I think are just a little bit, um, they've got more credits in the bank at this stage. Lynn's obviously missed a little bit of time with the hammy issue. So right now, early doors is that I'll take Lynn on, um, watch him come out and hit 100 now and totally d- derail my season. But I think early doors, I think I might leave him out just purely because he, he only scores with his, with his batting. He, he doesn't bowl and, and he's not the most, most active fielder either. And it's hard to believe that um, before this round started that he was still in 229 percent of team so even if you um did didn't get him in you you know i'm oh, sorry i should say if you did get him in then you're probably putting yourself in some good set because you're still going to have uh, a lot of people that have picked picked him up as well so if he doesn't do that well then you're probably not going to fall far given the amount of players that um have already picked him um but it is an interesting one to consider i'll i will consider but again yeah that weather is the thing that's um going to play a huge factor just on, on the weather, 
And I'll throw a question out to you guys. How much do you think, how much does the weather actually play into your thinking? So, you know, we're talking about this a little bit off air. If you do get a rain reduced game, sorry, an overs reduced game because of rain, a guy like Lynn might come out and open the batting and hit 40 off 20 balls when he, you know, the, the innings is only 10 overs long and I guess he's got a little bit more freedom in terms of wickets in the shed. Can a rain affected game actually help some players? I think so, but I think those are the decisions that you really need to wait up until the last minute. So if it does look like it's going to be an absolute washout, then I won't be risking bringing him in, especially because once that um, lockout started, you won't be able to bring him in halfway through a rain-affected game. But if there is a chance that um, we might get a few overs in early and the Heat are going to bat, then yeah, definitely I would be considering Lynn, especially with that uh, second game. But it is really going to be dependent on A, um, is it is it already raining as the uh, toss is about to happen? Or B, who's batting first um, will be the main factor. Because yes, I do buy into that, that if um, there is a rain-affected game that we might see players score quicker and score um, higher scores um, early on. But it's probably one that you really want to wait up until the last minute. So I think for me, looking at round eight, I might not even make um, a trade um, aside from the bringing some th- thunder in um, in that first game, but I've already got two in, so Sam's will probably be the only one. Then I might just leave um, a trade or two up my sleeve just to see what's going to happen with that heat game. What's your thoughts on this, Damo? I don't usually let the weather uh, decide my trade plans too much. Um, it more depends on the team and how the team's going because we all traded in Renegades players for their double game week. And who would have thought that Kane Richardson came came mm-hmm. away w- from that without a wicket in either game? I know one was um, wet, was abandoned due to the wet weather, but you would have thought he would at least get one in one of the games at least. And he came away being arguably the most disappointing player after that double game week. So, Aaron Finch was a contender for that. I will yeah. add. Someone who picked him up. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Finch was, um, <laughs> he certainly didn't make me happy last week, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, as you said, Damo, those Renegades guys were, aside from Sean Marsh, who was really, really good, Richardson flopped, um, Finch flopped, Mohamed Nabi flopped, those three I um, sort of brought in. Um, but, you know, aside from, I guess, from Marsh, there weren't too many that, that did a lot at all. Jack Presswidge came in for the second um, of the two games and scored 95. But other than that, no one went over um, went over 50. So sometimes I think that can be a trap, those double game weeks, as you said, especially for teams out of form. Yeah, so when I look at who I'm trading in, I look at three things, and that's player form, team form, and money. And obviously, if you can't afford them, then the then, then the money issue is out the window. But you want to make sure you're trading in player who's in form, in a team that's in form, who's got a low enough BE to make your money even if they fail. Yeah, I'd and to... sorry, keep going. and and to be honest, the Renegades players probably didn't pass all three of those tests, and so the people who did load up on Renegades players didn't reap the rewards from them because the only player arguably in form at the time was Sean Marsh. Yeah. I, I, when I'm sort of deciding on my trades, it's a pretty similar 
similar outlook. I I'm more so I focus on obviously player form as one, and that tends to go hand in hand with with price. Um, you know, some I brought in Aaron Hardy this week purely because he had a um, a low break even, and I want to see a little bit of money growth out of him. But so I look at the form, the price, and then the role they play in the team as well, and whether or not that changes. So just looking at my my current side, um, they're all sort of I've got Maxwell, Sam's, Wildermuth, um, Short, Christian, and Mitch Marsh are all arounders. So there's six of those. Rashid Khan and Kane Richardson. Are, I know Richardson failed last week, but they're both elite bowlers, and the only pure batsmen I've got. Um, are Hales and Sean Marsh, which is which is, has turned into Max Bryant this week, purely because I think you know you're sort of you're casting a wider net. You're not just going with the one avenue with scoring as you get with your pure batsman. Um, so yeah, I think those, as Damo said, it, it's certainly worth considering a number of factors um, when you're bringing in bringing in players. Azza, still there, mate? Yeah, I'm still I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> All right, well, I might ask the next question then. Who's still in your side that was in your side at the beginning of the season? Very few people. Um, For me, Max Bryant is the one that stands out for me the most. Um, I didn't have the likes of Dan Christian. um, Actually, no, sorry, I lied. Glenn Maxwell was the other one. Glenn Maxwell and Max Bryan. I didn't start the year with um, Dan Christian or Jack Wildermuth or Rashid Khan, Cade Richardson, um, the likes of that. No, I brought Stoinis back in this round, so I'm not counting that. But Maxwell and Bryant would be the two that I've kept all the way through, aside, aside from the bench players, but I'm not counting those in two. But uh, Bryant has been a, a bit of a gun for the last couple of weeks. Obviously, 35 this week wasn't too great, but I'm hoping that he can pull out some big scores for the next two rounds. So those are the two that I've kept. What about you, Dill? I'm just looking at my team. I've got seven out of the 15, but as you said, um, Lockie Pfeffer, Max Bryant, uh, James Basley were all bench players. Um, Maxwell, I've I've had the whole way through, um, and same with Darcy Short, but I guess Rashid Khan and Dan Christian were two others that I picked at the start. Dan Christian, funnily enough, I wasn't really happy with going in as a starting selection, but he's averaged, um, you know, north of 65 a game. So he's been, you know, probably my best buyer this season. And then Rashid Khan was was a late in to try and get Dan Christian's score off the bench that first round. Um, so I, I traded out Sam's for Khan to get that um, that score of 80-odd or whatever it, um, whatever it was in that first round. But um, Christian's certainly one that I think I've had um, the whole way through that I've been pretty stoked with. And what about you, Damo? I was looking at this earlier. Um, I have completely gutted my team from the start. The only two players that I haven't even, that I haven't moved at all the entire time is Nathan Ellis and Josh Philippe. So I've got Glenn Maxwell and I started him, but he did leave my team for a couple of games. Same with Darcy Short. I think yeah. Ellis is a really interesting one. Yeah. Um, a lot of people w- w- were on him early because he had that double in two and three or three and four, whatever it was. And he was pretty – I didn't have him. Um, I was pretty sceptical of him. And, and when he sort of didn't he, – he wasn't poor, but he wasn't great either. I was sort of – I wasn't too um, too fussed about that. But his last uh, – you'll know this, Damon, because he's in your side. But his last two or three games, I think he's he's been pretty good, hasn't he? 
I think uh, the last two weeks he's gotten a, gotten a hat trick in both games. A hat trick, has he? Or just yeah, I think I think he got a. I think he got. Um, oh, sorry, he got three wickets. Not not a hat trick. He got. <laughs> he got. He got three. Uh, he got three wickets uh, for round six, and he's got three wickets uh, yesterday. Yeah. 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 So he's two, one that. Yeah. You know, if I had owned him, I would have looked to take him out probably. But I guess you're sort of reaping those rewards now, having held him, um, and he'll he'll shoot up in value. To be honest, the reason I kept him was because I've had other issues to attend to, and if he's going to score me thirty-five every single week, honestly, I will take that from someone who's sitting on the edge of my team. He's he's not the best player in my team by any stretch, but he's not the worst player that's been in my team either. Yeah. And and he gets four overs. He's for some reason they like to bat him at four every now and then because they, they can. Um, but I just he just hasn't been bad enough to want to trade out yet. Yeah, and I've got yeah. the same sentiments with Max Bryan as well. He hasn't been too bad to be able to to trade out, and thankfully he's been um, rising in in his cash value now. So. After the um, double game week, maybe I'll consider him. But still, he's been a very handy bench player for me, and I've been able to loop him in at least at least once, and uh, may be able to in the future. So, for me, Bryant probably will stick around, and the same probably could be said for um, Basley as well. Too, he'll he might stick around for for a bit longer. Fingers crossed, his price can rise as well, and I can uh, reap some rewards of some cash generation. Yeah, I've, I started with, you know, I was pretty big on the guns and rookie strategy early on, and I've actually cashed in on, on some of the rookies I started. So um, Dilba Hussain was out, but rose in value for the short time he was there. Um, Jack Edwards was another one that I traded out when he'd hit 90-odd K. And then Ashton Turner was the other one that I offloaded a couple of weeks ago when he was he peaked at 110. So those just having those three guys that I no longer have, you know, that that's 100K sort of there that you've, that you've got from those players, which which then allowed me to go, go for someone like a Phil Salt, um, so a turner to a Phil Salt sort of thing. You then get a couple of good games out of Phil Salt, means you can turn him into someone like an Alex Hales. So um, early on in the season, I think cash generation is is super super important in in setting up the rest of your team. I mean, it's an it's an interesting question. We probably should move into with cash generation, given we've um, had held some players for such a long time. Um, is there a point where we really should be considering downgrading them to a rookie? And are there any rookie price players that we're likely to see in the coming weeks that we should target for future cash generation? Um, good question, Azza. Uh, there's a few. Hilton Cartwrights, um, he was 110k before before he played last night and he, he featured lower down the order, but he had a break even of 84 and... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he quite hit that, so he'll drop a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Other than that, I think I'll actually look at bringing in a non-playing player. Um, <clears throat> so just to, to to focus on guys. So at the moment, I've got Bryant, I've got um, Aaron Hardy, I've got Xavier Bartlett, and I've got James Basley on the bench. So I don't have any loophole options. Um, and come the end of the season, where you know most teams have. Um, most teams have Glenn Maxwell. Most teams will have Marcus Stoinis. Most will have 
um, Daniel Sams, these sorts of players, having a, a guy off the bench who can come on if he does score well can be really handy. So I think um, not quite yet. I think I've got a few few wishes I've got to fix um, before then, but I might actually look at bringing in a non-playing player um, to, to sort of utilise those loopholes. What about you, Damo? If we're talking about players that are going to play, mm. I'm looking at Jake Fraser McGurk, maybe, yeah. and Will Parker. They're both only a smidge above their starting price, but you could probably still get some good money out of them if they get an extended run. There's also the likes of John Holland that could play. Um, Liam Scott has played a few times. He might find a way in when Rashid Khan leaves. Unlikely, though, but he could. Um, Ryan Gibson bats and sometimes bowls for the for the strikers. He's f- about 48k. And and then and then you got Jack Edwards who is who has come right down in price again. Yeah, and just uh, the other option with your rookies are getting in someone like a Cameron Green or a Will Pukowski who are currently in that in the test fold. So you could use them as a loophole right now. But then potentially, you know, depending on, um, I guess, how the test squad are sort of feeling in terms of if they want to participate in the VBL, some of them will um, will come back and then be involved. Um, so those 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 two are guys that are, you know, green 60-something and, and Pekowski's at your basement 42K. Um, those are two guys that, um, if available for selection, I think they'll be picked. Um a hundred percent, and you could use them as as um as loophole options before then. That's a great option. I mean, I was a little disappointed um, that I missed out on Sam Rainbird, um, given he was only sixty two thousand. Would have been a great play to to downgrade, and then pulls out a uh, sixty six this round. So he's he's going to be uh jumping up in price, but. I'd like to be able to see, yeah, maybe Jake Fraser McGurk's um, one that I probably might target. We, I know Renegades have already said that they're probably going to look to play some youth, given how the, how they're performing so far this season. They're probably going to throw in a few um, different players. So even maybe Mitch Perry, um, at you know, he was 42,000, 43.8 before this one. Maybe he's another one that I'll consider as well. But yeah, it's it's it is a tricky one now that we've moved uh, through that halfway through the season. But there should be some other value come about. I do um, you know, echo Dill sentiments there that Cam Green and Will Bukowski is probably ones that you could consider now. Um, and then especially once they're released from the team, should be able to um, you know play in the BBL and boost your scores for the finals, which would be fantastic. And just quickly on that. Obviously, the test is going to go ahead in Sydney. Um, to any of our listeners who are heading to the test, because you are in an area that has been given the green light to attend, please, please stay safe. Because we don't need this the situation going down the toilet. Here, here. Yeah, that's it. It's um, difficult times. And I must admit, I was pretty surprised that they actually went, went forward with playing it in Sydney. Um, and didn't either keep it in Melbourne or, or shift it to Perth or what have you. Um, but even Victor, I'm, I'm based in Victoria, and even that now it seems to be, you know, sort of ramping up again. And hopefully that, you know, having had a had a break, I guess hopefully they've got the contact tracing um, 
damn pat this time around and, it, and we don't go into another lockdown. But, yeah, stay safe, everyone. And on, on, on that note, guys, I think we'll um, wrap it up there. And thank you, community, for listening in again. Thank you, Damo and Dill, for uh, coming. And again, thank you guys for allowing me to host this week. It's been a fantastic opportunity, as I said. It's a once-off. But uh, if you'd like to see Dill host one week, let us know in um, let us let us know on Twitter. Um, or again, if you just want to hear Damo's voice and not mine ever again, also let us know too. If you, or, and again, if you do have any other comments or questions, be sure to follow us on Jock Reynolds' Twitter and give us a shout and give us a chat. We'll be back next week. Thanks again for joining in, everyone.